Napa know-how. When you purchase a set of Napa brake pads and rotors, you get a discount code from Fanatics.com worth up to $50 towards your favorite sports gear. While Napa can't help your team reach the promised land, we can help make sure your car will because these brakes come with something no sports team does. Guaranteed performance. Great brakes, great price, great fan gear. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Offer expires September 30th, 2017. Locked on Grizzlies today, talking a little bit about the NBA draft lottery results and what it could mean for the Grizzlies. Also, a look at the season of Zach Randolph and some thoughts about his free agency that is upcoming this summer. All of that is on the way. Sit back, relax. You are Locked on Grizzlies. Locked on Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Grizzlies. My name is Peter Edmiston. I'm happy to be with you here on Locked on Grizzlies through the off season as we kind of do a three times a week schedule. So you'll hear me here on this Wednesday and then uh, the early plan is to go uh, for Friday as well as we continue looking at the off season ahead. And we'll take also a little quick look here shortly at the results of the, the draft lottery. Does it mean anything you know, for the Grizzlies, including a, a little bit of a kind of a, a trade idea I threw out there, and uh, I, I kind of was uh, was curious your take on it, and some interesting comments have come in uh, on that. As always, uh, follow me on Twitter at Peter Edmiston to find out more on uh, on the Twitter feed. A lot of times, I'll throw stuff out there for the the pod and uh, some some questions, some poll questions, some just wanting your takes, that kind of stuff. Uh, I uh, like to be interactive with you guys. Uh, appreciate you listening and, and appreciate you following. So please uh, feel free to do that and be part of the uh, the podcast. Um, as I mentioned, we're going to continue with the the offseason stuff too. And we're going to look at Zach Randolph. We're starting kind of with the free agents on this whole thing. We'll do more of an evaluation show of some of the existing players who are under contract later on in the process. But we'll look at Zach uh, and kind of take a little quick look at the um, – at the the contract that he is likely to receive, um, and kind of what he what his what his season looked like. So all that's still uh, to come. The draft lottery was on Tuesday, and the results, as they have been for the last three seasons, have pretty much gone according to plan. At least at the very top. This time it was the Boston Celtics, the beneficiaries of the proper luck at least according to the the odds um they have the number one pick thanks to the trade they made with brooklyn five years ago and they're still reaping benefits of it um they have the ability to swap that pick so of course they will their pick will be down 27 i think brooklyn will take that at least they'll have a first round pick they won't have that next year as they finally it's the last year of this deal and they'll give up their first round pick again next year to the uh, to the Celtics, what an unbelievable trade that turned out to be. The Paul Pierce, Garnett, all those guys trade um, to the Nets in the Prokhorov era when they were really trying to go for it. And who would have thought that the Nets would get so bad so quickly that this would end up conveying a number one overall pick? The first time the Celtics will pick number one in over fifty years. That sort of made me kind of think about okay, well, a lot of the talk this offseason with regard to the Grizzlies has been, you know, what, what do you do? You, the Grizzlies don't have a pick. 
You guys know that if you've been listening to the podcast, and if you're a Grizzly fan, you are well aware that the Grizzlies don't have a pick this year. The 20th pick would have been theirs, but the deal that they made um, back in 2013 to free up space that then was supposedly used to kind of give them some leeway in the Rudy Gay trade. That Anyway, long story short, they don't have the pick. It's in Portland, moved a couple times, now Portland's got it, the Grizzlies don't. So how do they get a trade? How do they get a, how do they get a pick rather, um, you know, of any kind of import in this draft? I get a lot of tweets, texts, stuff like that when I'm on my radio show, especially uh, seven to ten every weekday morning on Sports Fifty Six Eighty Seven Seven FM. By the way, get a lot of texts from a lot of fans who just kind of say like, "Oh, the Grizzlies should go and get you know a pick, should go and get," but. Yeah, you know, how do you how do you do that? How do you get a pick of any kind of import? How do you get a first round pick when you don't have one? You, you can't buy one. You know, they, the Grizzlies at one time sold a late first to the Dallas Mavericks. That that is not that doesn't happen anymore. No one sells first round picks, and really, it, the even the act of selling second round picks that used to be kind of a thing for the Grizzlies to go and and, and buy one. That isn't done uh, as much, and the price tag has gone up on even those second-round picks. So you can't just go and, and make one kind of appear. The Grizzlies would have to make a trade of, of some kind of you know serious piece, and if you go up and down the roster, the only pieces that really would qualify would be Mike Conley and Marcus All. Beyond that, you... you could well see the Grizzlies attempt to move Brandon Wright, but you're not getting a first-round pick for Brandon Wright. You know, you're not getting a first-round pick for Jarrell Martin. You're not getting a first-round pick for guys that, you know, like that that you would move. You might get something, maybe, but it's far more likely to be a second-round pick, if anything, than a first. So if you're going to get a first, you have to make that move like that, which led me to my theoretical question, the poll question I threw out there, which a lot of people have responded to. There is still time if you want to chime in. The official results won't be until uh, mid-morning on Wednesday. So if you are hearing this now in the morning, feel free to go ahead and vote. But as I report this, I put the poll up, and uh, I've already got uh, a bunch of folks jumping in. 433 of you to be exact at this point um so hopefully a few more will jump in and we can get that over 500 before it's all said and done but i asked the question marcus Saul, would you trade marcus Saul for the number one overall pick markel fultz would you meaning would boston do it would the grizzlies do it would both teams do it would you do it personally if you were gm of either team and uh, the results were rather interesting. The way I put it out there, 34% of you said that Memphis would do it, but Boston would say no. 32% of you say both parties would say no. 26% of you say Boston would say yes, but Memphis would say no. And 8% of you say that both would say yes. So... In total, 42% of people think that Memphis would say yes. 34% of people think that Boston would say yes, which means that um, 66 say Memphis would say no, 58 say Boston would say no, or 58% say Boston would say no, 
66% say, um, wait, I've got that totally wrong. Let me start over. 66% say Boston would say no in one form or fashion. And uh, 58% say Memphis would say no in one form or fashion. Jeez, I'm doing the, doing the math here quickly, and uh, that, was, that was terrible. So I hope you, hope you got all of that. Um, now, would I do it? If I'm Memphis, yeah, absolutely I would. If I'm Boston, no, I wouldn't. Um, I don't think, I think Boston would, they, they may well be looking to move this pick uh, for a veteran, but it's far more likely to be someone like uh, Paul George. That, is, that has been the guy that has been on their radar for a while, or Jimmy Butler. Both guys um, have been on the radar for a while. Both guys would make a lot of sense um, as you know, true elite level stars to go along with the young, talented core that they've got. Um, you know, do they need to add a Markel Fultz to the mix? Uh, I mean, listen, it, you know, who, who's going to say no to that? And he's certainly going to extend your window. But if you're trying to win now then I don't know how much good Fultz is going to do you the next year or two. You can ask Minnesota about what it's like to add a bunch of young players and try to win with a bunch of young players. It's tough. You could also look and say maybe just Fultz. Do you think Fultz pairs well with Isaiah Thomas? Now, I think he does. and I don't, I don't see any issue with that. But they may not, or maybe Isaiah Thomas gets a little sore about this whole situation. Remember, he will be a free agent next offseason and will be due for a huge, massive raise. Um, so maybe that forces you into a move uh, of him. You know, he's he'll be 29, I guess, at that stage. So kind of a Mike Conley situation. You know, would Boston be willing to max him out if Markel Fultz really comes along? Well, they draft him number one. He comes along. You know, does that then kind of s- sort of push Isaiah Thomas out the door? Do they they go in that different direction? I don't know. These are, these are all kind of things they have to think about. I do think that Marc Gasol to the Celtics makes sense. You know, the Celtics need rebounding, and Mark doesn't provide that. But uh, Mark fits with everything else that they want to do. He is, you know, I don't have to go up and down the list of what Mark can do for you guys. You certainly know. You know, his ability to pass, his high basketball IQ, the system stuff that he likes so much, all that's in full effect in Boston, I think he would it would it would be a good fit. the The question, of course, is how much would Boston value a 32 year old? Now, one that has you know he came off the foot surgery, but he had a full season, an unbelievable recovery. You know, really just short of miraculous in terms of the recovery. So that that shouldn't be too much of a demerit on him. But he's got three years left, and he's a 32 year old big man, and that's that's never uh, a real promising thing for getting better. You know, generally those players get worse and often get worse pretty quickly. The drop off is is pretty pretty severe. Um, now, you know, will that will that mean that Mark is? I mean, like, does you know, in terms of his value, if you're looking to trademark, would would that affect the value? Yeah, it would affect the value. But I still think he's got value out there for somebody. But when you're talking about trading the number one overall pick, you know, that's a that's a big deal and that's a huge price. That you're talking about. Um, look at what your know, Boogie Cousins got. Um, you know, you're not you're not getting. If you were to trade Markel Fultz, you know that's a that's a better deal than than Boogie. So that's to me, it's uh, it's unlikely. The scenario is unlikely that Boston would say yes. I think the Grizzlies 
if they were serious about trading Mark, that's that's the that would be an amazing deal for them. Because you would get because Boston has the cap room, you could they could absorb uh you know Mark's contract into that cap and you wouldn't have to worry about, you know, taking back similar salary. So the Grizzlies could really clear up a lot of their cap situation and get younger and you know presumably bring in a potentially superstar type player. You know, that if they were going to trade Mark, that would be a blockbuster perfect move for them to make. Again, I don't expect it to happen. Not only just trading Mark, period, but certainly a deal like this. But if Boston were to want to do a different sort of deal, you know, I think Boston, I think the fit is good, as I mentioned. Boston does have a lot of young assets. So even if they didn't give you the first pick, they could give you next year's Brooklyn pick. They could give you um, some other future pick. You could also get some of the young talent that they've got just kind of sitting there. You know, if you want to get into the market for Jalen Brown, if you want to get into the market for a smart, if you want to get into the market for an Olenek, you know, you could probably put something together if Boston was so inclined and make that deal work. And that would be much more likely, in, as far as I'm concerned, as a structure rather than the number one overall pick. So, uh, anyway, just keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on what Boston does. That, that that pick gives them plenty of ammo and lots of opportunity to do lots of different things with it. And they could just do the simple thing that Danny Ainge has typically done and then just use the pick and you know, take a guy that, you know, it's, I, I think Fultz, we'll talk more about the draft coming up uh, over the next few weeks, but I, I am of the opinion that Fultz is head and shoulders above the next tier i think he's he's in his own class and then you go you know after him two through you know whatever depending on on how much you like you know some of those guys in slotted six seven eight um but that, i would say that 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 Fultz is on a different level i really like him I think he's going to be super super special um so that was the draft lottery good news for the lakers they keep their second pick uh, it had it fallen out of the top three, they would have lost it to Philly, and then they would have also lost their 2019 pick um, to the Orlando Magic. Instead, they will push that back another year, push back giving their pick to the Sixers for another year. Now, there are a lot of people out there who like the 2018 draft as much or more than this year's draft. A little early for me to be you know, delving too deeply into it, but... Um, you know, Phillies, Phillies, fine. They end up picking uh, third due to the swap that they have with the Sacramento Kings. Um, you know, Philly will end up picking third. And, hey, man, you know, that, that's that, that's not a bad spot at all for them to be in. I think they have they have a good opportunity uh, at that point in the draft to, to do some damage. So, uh, overall, you know, the the entire list top to bottom i don't know about the you know i don't i don't know about the the, the suns at 4 that's a tough it's a little bit of a tough break for them uh to slide back a couple spots a couple teams jumped up kings will be 5th due to that swap with the sixers orlando 6th the timberwolves picking 7th the knicks dropped a spot from their projection ends up in 8th the mavericks ninth. 
And then the Kings again will pick at 10. So the Kings have five and 10 in the, uh, in the draft. There's your top 10. The rest of it um, we'll, we'll talk more about as we get closer to time. Now, let's talk a little bit about Zebo and the offseason. But first, our friends at GrizzEssentials.com continue to help you even in this long offseason. And I want to see a lot of you guys around town in some of those Grizz Essentials shirts. I want to see you wearing that Grizz Essentials gear. I want to see you know, those of you that have gotten the hats, those of you that have gotten the socks, those of you that have gotten all the cool stuff that they've sent. I want to see it. Tweet it. Send me a send me a pic. I'd love to see it. Uh, because Mark and Courtney and the great folks at Grizz Essentials send you that box every month filled with really cool stuff. Not just shirts, although they got great shirts and the shirts are unique and special. But it's it's so much more than that. It's stuff that's that's curated. That word means something here. I mean, these are things that they have selected, they have gone out, in many cases have procured, uh, often from local folks that only do it for them. This is stuff that you're not going to find anywhere else, and certainly not in the kind of packaging and the kind of box that you're going to get from grizzessentials.com. Find out more, go to their website, grizzessentials.com slash grizzlies. Again, grizzessentials.com. Slash L.O. Grizzlies. You go there, it lets Mark and them know that you listen to the pod and that you appreciate that. And uh, they'll take great care of you. They will uh, really fuel that Grizz fire that you've got through the off season and keep you looking sharp uh, throughout the whole thing. So in the summertime, you need to look sharp, man. Need to be looking sharp. You can do that. Grizzessentials.com slash L.O. Grizzlies. Be sure to go there and check it out. Be sure to get some cool stuff. Be sure to make your summer even more fun, even if you're not watching uh, the Grizzlies play, you can at least look the part, grizzessentials.com. Zach Randolph is going to be a free agent, and we talked about Jermichael Green on Monday in the pod, and I told you, you know, ultimately, going through his numbers and given his age, given what he meant for David Fisdale, what he meant for the defense, and the fact that, well, he's, you know, he is still, he's 27. So he's not, you know, a, a young player per se, but he's only got three years of experience and he improved quite a bit in this starting role. So you would think that there's a little more to come. I think he's the priority, which leaves Zach. And this one is where, you know, you always have that clash, the heart and the head, sentimentality versus business that is Zach Randolph in a nutshell right here there's no question that if you're going to put a statue up outside FedEx Forum it would be Zebo. it is no exaggeration to say that Zach Randolph single-handedly changed the course of this franchise his acquisition very controversial back in 09 the best move that Chris Wallace uh, really ever made. His acquisition and his subsequent, you know, arrival and ingratiation and the way he he went to work right out of the gate, it absolutely endeared him to the community and vice versa. 
there have rarely, if ever, been more successful marriages of player and uh, city. Just it just fit, man. Just fit. Zebo thrived in Memphis, and Memphis thrived watching Zebo. You know, you can't you can't discount that. You can't take that away. That was special to watch, to listen to the buzz in the arena when Zebo posts a guy up. And to watch that over the years, it has been really, really special to see you know, the 2011 Spurs series. Game six. You know, those of us that were there, you'll never forget it. You'll never forget the, the emotion, the crowd, the, the, the incredible noise that was being made. I mean, you'll, you just, you won't, you won't forget it. It's, it was absolutely extraordinary to watch Zach and to see his family, to see all these, these things are so special and it has been a a true joy to watch. And Zach, you know, behind the scenes, despite the reputation and everything else is one of the nicest guys in the locker room consistently, a very easy guy to deal with from my perspective, at least media wise. I always, I get along great with Zach. Zach was to kind of give you a behind the scenes story back, in the early days uh, when Zach was here, I guess it was probably his first year. He and I were talking and he uh, was asking me about myself and he asked how old I was. And at the time I think I was 29 or 30. Uh, and he says, you got any kids? I said, no, at the time I didn't. He said, it's time. You need to have a kid. I said, well, he said, do it. Trust me. And that kind of stuck, weirdly enough, that stuck with me a little bit. And uh, so it wasn't specifically because of Zebo, but I did kind of say, you know, it was, it was, it's going to be about that time. And, you know, my wife and I, a couple of years later, ended up having my, uh, we, we had my son. I've got a daughter as well now. Uh, so two kids and Zebo's advice Kind of, I'm not going to say it was decisive or anything, but it did put that in my mind to say, you know, maybe it's, it's time to start thinking about this a little more seriously. So I I have a great appreciation on a lot of levels for Zebo. I have a lot of love for Zebo. You have to take some of that sentimentality out of it, though. And you have to look towards the future and figure out what it is that you're going to be. Uh, people have asked me a lot about what I think this off season should be about. And we'll talk a lot more about this on a later pod. Cause this kind of thing deserves a lot more time, but the Grizzlies to me, you know, the absolute number one thing that they have to do irrespective of signings and whatever they have to identify internally Fisdale, everyone, they have to identify the style of play that they want to use and they have to implement it. They have to actually do it. You know, it was talked about. It's been talked about a lot for years. And David Fisdale went a lot further than most. Went a lot further than Jaeger. Went a lot further than Lionel. Went a lot further than, than anyone has so far in actually implementing concepts of modern space spread offense with a lot more shooting he he implemented a lot more of that than anyone else has but there's still a you know long long way to go grizzlies were still near the bottom of the league in pace grizzlies were still um you know 
one of the more reluctant three-point shooting teams, even if that number continued to trend upward, um, you know, certainly with some specific lineups out there, especially. You know, the Grizzlies still don't look the part, still play with two bigs more than, than most other teams. You know, these things that are kind of going out of style in the NBA, and, and I, I don't think that Fisdale really necessarily enjoys you know playing that older school kind of kind of style but it was something that they had to do they had to take the elements of pace and space and realize that that there wasn't a lot of pace this is a pretty slow team so you could do some spacing stuff but you couldn't do it with pace and they did that and they slowed down tremendously and in that spurs playoff series and they played glacial glacial basketball and it worked for them but it was more pragmatic than uh, truly something that everyone believed in. They're going to have to fix that. And I, I, I bring that up because I think Zach is the, is the embodiment of that dichotomy, that decision, that, that fork in the road that you have to, to deal with if you're the Grizzlies. Because to me, if Zach is on the team, if Zebo's out there, if Zebo's on the bench, if Zebo's, then the you're always going to be dealing with distractions. You're always going to be dealing with people talking about Zebo and wanting to go to Zebo when things get tough. And if you go to Zebo, then you naturally have to change your style of play to accommodate Zebo. And that is going to be yeah, naturally, it's going to make you think old school and it's, and you're going to get back into that clash of, you know, what's the right way to play. If the Grizzlies get everybody, back if they get everybody where they want to be if they make a couple signings if they do do what they have to do then i think david fisdale was going to have a lineup that's much more um likely especially on the off chance that chandler parsons can actually play at a reasonable level then he's going to be able to put lineups out there that, that can actually you know have multiple ball handlers and uh spread options and opportunities to to space the floor Zach is probably not thriving in those situations. If you look at the numbers for Zach, he's still, in terms of post-ups per minute, pretty much led the league this year. He was fifth overall, according to Synergy, in total uh, post-up possessions this year. Carl Anthony Towns, one. Marc Gasol, two. LaMarcus Aldridge, three. Brooke Lopez, four. Zach Randolph, five. After him, Hassan Whiteside, Andre Drummond, DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis, and Greg Monroe. And Greg Monroe is a good analog for for Zach Randolph, uh, as is Al Jefferson, who is uh, 18th on that list. So Zach was a very prolific post-up player. But as those of you that follow the analytics know, you you, you can't a even a good post-up the expected value of that versus a, a three-pointer, even a contested one, it's pretty much nip and tuck if you're building your team. Um, now, there are specific matchups and playoffs and stuff where you can you can build and you can have more of an advantage. But if you look at Zach's numbers, even within the post, his effectiveness has gone down. You know, he's he posted up the fewest percentage uh, the smallest percentage of his overall play types were post-ups this year, smaller than any other year, which makes sense because of the, the offense that we've seen. It's still a huge number. 
32% of his possessions. It's a big number. And, you know, you get a point per possession expectation of 0.841 in those situations. You know, 0.841 is not great at all. And, um, you know, that, that number has dwindled a little bit over the years from Zach, who's more effective, obviously, as a post-up player earlier in his career. But, you know, take, for example, what you would see from most guys in, in those other play types. You're talking about, you know, one point per possession, 1.1 even, uh, some of the better ones, 1.2 or 3. You know, when you get down to .841, that's, that's not, you know, that's below average. And that just tells you that in general, a post-up play is is going to be below average in uh, in today's NBA. Zach's post-ups, when he passed the ball out of the post, it was better. You know, when he posted up, he had his offense eighty-one percent of the time, and he passed it nineteen percent of the time. And when he had his offense, as I mentioned, .841 was the expectation. When he passed the ball, it was 1.062. So a huge improvement in terms of points per possession. When he passed, a lot of times he passed to cutters, and cutters got got good looks. The spot-up shooters that he passed to uh, made it at a 39% clip. Not great, but it still gave you a better expected points per possession value than Zach's post-ups themselves. Uh, I say all that to say that I think... Zach's style of play is in decline. Zach's um, Zach's play itself, you know, truth be told, is is also in decline. I, I I take no joy in that. It's been talked about, and I know it's been rumored for a while. People have said that. I think you you really can see it. He's still going to get his. He's still going to be able to get you, you know, 14 and 8 off the bench. He's still going to be able to get those kinds of numbers up, and there's still a value in that. But those numbers come at a cost of your offensive style, of the flow, the way that you play, the way that the young players get integrated into the mix, and at the cost of distraction. If you're going to bring Zach back, and I think the Grizzlies would like to, and I think they can, but either they're going to have to find a better way to deal with all that stuff. That's That's kind of my point. If I'm guessing on a Zach contract, you know, I think if you look at Al Jefferson got three and thirty uh, last off season, and that third year is only partially guaranteed. I think you could see a similar structure with Zach three and thirty, with that last year being partial guarantee or a non guarantee type situation. Uh, I think that's going to be the the two eighteen three twenty seven. You know, in in those that in that neighborhood, I think is where they'll end up, you know, settling in, and I think that it will be here in Memphis. You know, I, all the comments I make about this, it's it's just, it's not that I don't want to see it happen. I do. I would I I would really like to see Zach Randolph back. I just I can understand the logic in turning the page. I can understand the logic in trying to go in a different direction. And I particularly understand the logic when it comes to how it affects the psychology of the whole thing and how it affects your team's style. And, you know, if Zach is out there on the bench, I think he's a distraction, especially if you start off poorly and he's not playing a prominent role. 
and maybe he's not playing a prominent role because he really Fisdale wants to emphasize that style of play, and he can't do it. He can't defend it. He can't all that stuff. That's that's very possible. He wants to try to go younger. Again, very plausible. If Zach's out there, he's going to be a distraction. The fans, all you're going to be calling. For, it just it's just the way that it's going to be. So I could get that. I think it'll be a challenge to find a way to work him into more of a modern approach. It's not a bad idea to have a little change-up off the bench. I just don't know if Zach sees himself in that role as a change-up guy. Kind of a, that's, that's a little more gimmicky than I would imagine that he is, he is used to. But if you could find a way to do it, great. There are some, to me, there's some pitfalls potentially, but if you can find a way to do it, fantastic. Um, and, I, and I really do hope that they will. Thanks so much for joining me here. Uh, thanks to grizzessentials.com slash L.O. Grizzlies for their continued sponsorship of the pod. Thank you for listening, for being part of it. Thank you for getting in touch with me. All of those things, I really do appreciate it. It's been tremendous talking to you and looking forward to doing it again later on this week. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.